You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Tanya Pinkins, and you are listening to my podcast, You Can't Say That, on the Broadway Podcast Network. Remember, You Can't Say That is the podcast where you can. My guest today is a dear friend. Um, Our friendship goes back to acting class, my first professional acting class, where William H. Macy was our teacher, and we were learning the Meisner Method at the St. Nicholas Theater in Chicago, uh, a theater company that was founded by David Mamet, Stephen Schachter, and William H. Macy. And we have stayed connected all these years. And she has gone on to be one of the most successful producers uh, in the world. Uh, So I'll let her tell you about that. (laughs) Welcome, Carla. Well, that's a very daunting uh, introduction. Daunting? Well, shall shall I introduce you a little more? Um, Because we are going to talk about one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is um, your interest in whistleblowers. Oh, thank you. Um, We get together a lot, Carla and I, and and we just spend the day solving all the problems of the world. That's what we do. We hang out, we ride around, we eat lunch, and we solve all the problems of the world. And if only, you know, somebody who was running the world listened to us, everything would be better. Well, I'm working towards that. Okay. I am working, as I was listening to your podcast earlier today on the run over here from my apartment in New York. I was thinking about how we need to change things, obviously, and change always gets elected. But um, it's really important to um, get the truth out and to get different people in power. And I think podcasting is such a great opportunity. Yeah, you actually are working on podcasts yeah. as well. But if you want to go down the whistleblower road. Yeah, let's go down the whistleblower um, road. And let's say beforehand, because, you know, people do decide what they're going to listen to. Carla uh, found the story and produced the film Aaron Brockovich. Right. I did do that. Yes, <laughs> Which I, is a whistleblower movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Based, I mean, it's a sort of a detective sort of law movie. But yes, yeah, so no, I was working with Jersey Films. My husband has a company, had a company with Danny DeVito in the 90s. And I was really lucky to work there. Um, we were, uh, you know, emotionally involved living together before I went to work for him. I didn't sleep with my boss. Um, <laughs> but... Um, and so I had always, I wanted to, uh, I was in, I was his assistant and I um, wanted to be on the creative side. So I kept hounding him to do my movies 
And he every morning I'd wake up and pitch him something else, and he kept saying, you know, that's a really bad idea. But finally, the, because they had been so successful, they had done Pulp Fiction and Get Shorty, and um, they um, I finally pitched them this story about Aaron Brockovich, which over a period of years got made, so... It gave me a good reputation. I'm very interested in sort of speaking truth to power instead of having power speak to truth. But how do we get to do that in a in a business that's about just making money and where lies tell, you know, they sell? How do we, well, you know, I think this podcast platform is like an amazing thing, which is you mentioned earlier that I'm in the midst of, uh, of writing a podcast. And that hopefully, and I've actually gotten really good um, response from uh, my agent, so he loved it. I was really happy. And now I'm daunted. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my God, after I do six episodes of this. <laughs> but, you know, I read this quote by Matisse that said, creation, the act of creativity starts with doubt, moves into perseverance, and you end up with revelation. Mm. So I say that to myself many times a day because the doubt is the longest part. Mm-hmm. Just, and how many people stop at the doubt? You know, that reminded me, a girlfriend of mine went to CalArts and she was accepted without going through all the hoops you have to jump through. And the head of CalArts at the time was a very young, fledgling genius. And he said to her, you know, me and my other genius friends, we get together once a month and we come up with the next million dollar idea. And we've got a box of them. Would you like it? <laughs> and um, the point he was making was coming up with a million dollar idea is very easy. Right. But following through with one of those ideas is the thing that most people don't do. Yeah. And I always think about that, like just follow through yeah. on one thing. Yeah, it's very difficult. And and now because um, it's harder to get things done and yet easier to get things done. The girl, um, Eilish, what's her first name? Billy. Billy, thank you. She just did it in her bathroom or something. <laughs> she just put it together. And that's what I think this this platform is. You really can sit in your room and, and have these conversations and then broadcast it. And there are so many people out there with so many different needs that can, if they get lucky and the, the stars align, I always think that, you know, even when I did Aaron Brockovich, everything sort of came together at the same time. Now, I know it didn't really come together at the same time in that easy sense. People said no to you. Your husband said no to you for a long, long time. Yes, he did. He <laughs> okay, was, so tell us more about that. He's forever going to regret that, okay? <laughs> Every, no. Well, what, uh, you know, I pitched him so many things, and I had been fortunate enough to be at, at the Atlantic Theater Company, and I had worked with Mamet as just as being in his, I taught with him, for him, when we would all go up to Vermont. And in the summer, he worked under, he had a sort of an, a, a, an acting school. Atlantic Theater Company actually started at NYU through David. And, uh, and he is a brilliant teacher, and I've had a few acting teachers. And I thought, I, even though I wasn't studying acting with him, I was watching him do it, and he, I know earlier in his career, he was very strident, Mm -hmm. but he was very generous. I've always thought he should, and I actually worked as his assistant director on a play he directed, uh, Twelfth Night, the Shakespeare play, and he's such a generous and sort of smart, he boils down Shakespeare in such an easy way as far as what the objective of each scene is, so that I thought it would be really great for him to do a children's version of Shakespeare. Mm. Because a scene would be, say, this scene is about you're a car, used car salesman and you have to sell that car. Now, nobody ever says that about Shakespeare. Right. But there's a scene that there's a guy just trying to talk somebody into it and he's got a certain affect. And David boils it down to all of that. So I always thought it would be interesting for children if he could mm-hmm. do that. And some adults who, when we do go to see Shakespeare, we have no idea what's going on. Right. 
And it can feel so intimidating with those accents, the funny accents. That's right, those funny <laughs> accents, which also makes Shakespeare sound better for some reason. But maybe, anyway. But um, so I had learned a lot from him. I mean, I, and then when I went to work for and uh, with my husband and 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 uh, Danny DeVito, I um, I had something that I actually wanted to say, which I think is really important for an artist. I have people in the company that we have now who are sort of young and really well educated. But I don't know if they have anything they actually want to say yet. Hmm. And um, I think it really helps if you know what that is, or at least you're struggling with what that is. And I've always been attracted to underdog stories. Mm. So when my chiropractor introduced me to um, Erin Brockovich, and she had told me, she had described her to me, and she walked, I had her come to my house. And I know when you're in the movie business, people, you know, your doctor's telling you he's got a movie you should make <laughs> and your accountant is telling you there's something you should do. So you're always getting pitched this stuff. But I actually listen because you never know. Mm -hmm. And so she told me about Aaron and then she had, I had Aaron come to my house and she walked in in a, in spike heels and a leather bustier and a mini skirt and this big blonde hair. And I knew what she had done. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm like the luckiest person on the planet because this girl's amazing and what she did was amazing. So I knew there was a huge movie in this. And I, after I spoke to her, she was at my home for about two hours. I thought, Julia Roberts, Julia Roberts, the Julia Roberts movie. Because Julia Roberts, I watched her as a young woman. She, there's a very underdog quality to her. Mm -hmm. Mystic Pizza. Yes. And so um, Matt Damon's in that movie, did she? Mm, so no, cute. I don't even remember that. And... Um, I thought this would resonate with her. So Aaron and my chiropractor friend Pam Damone left and my husband came in and I said, I have found it. I have found the movie that I want to make and it's a great Julia Roberts movie. And he looked at me and I told him the story. He said, I don't get it and you will never get Julia Roberts. I thought, okay. And I was really lucky because I kept hounding him. He kept blowing me off and he had a partner, Stacy. Stacy Shear. Yeah, Stacy Shear, who was you know, became a partner. She was hired as a, an executive, and she became a a partner after she brought in Pulp Fiction, which is kind of a big movie. And um, she she championed me. Mm. She stood behind me, and we, you know, it took basically four years to get the movie made. So well, because you were looking for really big people whose schedules are really busy, you know, Soderbergh and Julia Roberts. But it all came together. That goes back to the synchronous. We were doing a film with Stephen called Out of Sight. And we kept pitching him. We got to do this movie. We had this script. We had a great script. And he said, that's this. He actually said to us, we thought he's, that's the bad, the worst idea for a movie I've ever heard. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> um, and then, um, and Michael, we didn't even have to call Julia Roberts. The script was floating around looking for a director. And my husband had to come home and tell me that, um, Julia's agent had called and wanted to meet. <laughs> Something I try to remind him on a daily basis. <laughs> How did he say that? I want to picture Michael having to come in. Did he did he act like he had never said you'll never get her? No. <laughs> he, there's he's an, he's, an he's very he's really funny and he's really smart and he has a really good sense of humor. So he knew how much trouble he was going to be in. <laughs> so I think the way he, you know you can deliver bad news humor humorously sometimes and it sort of comes off better. So he did and. Uh, it was just, and it was. That, it wasn't was such, bad news. It was good news. It was bad news for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
that's bad news for him, Danya. So, you know, so anyway, it took a while after, once she got on board and we got Stephen because she wanted to find a director that she would work with and we, and Stephen Soderbergh is so good with women and he had done Out of Sight with a, which was really sort of platformed Jennifer Lopez onto a whole right, new level. Right, but isn't there a story about how Stephen even said no? Yeah, that was it. Stephen had said no. Oh, Stephen had said no when, while we were in the middle of um, out of sight. Out of sight. But then when Julia got, was involved, I think that also I may be getting some of my dates mixed up. It's like when I walked over here, I thought it would take a half an hour, an hour. I mean, I'm sorry, it'd take a half an hour to get here. Except you know, you can't fit a half an hour into twelve forty-five <laughs> and one o'clock. It just <laughs> doesn't work like that. So. Anyway, I keep bashing that. So, yes. So, anyway, but it came, it, the people, talented people started to become attracted to this. And it, because it was such a message to it. Mm-hmm. And it was important that this sort of goofy girl, the woman you would never, I always think of her as like Rocky in a miniskirt, mm-hmm. that you would never think she would do that. But talk about perseverance. That girl went door to door in her neighborhood trying to get statistics on whether any can whether there was a cancer sort of a grouping in her mm. own. She wanted to know what the numbers were. So and she, yeah, you know, I mean, look at her. She's this big brazen blonde. Yeah, she's a babe. Yeah, and so she nothing stops her, nothing. And she is relatively well educated. She is not a dumb girl. She's mm-hmm. went to college, and her mother worked in a college. She's a really very focused person. So, um, so anyway. Uh, it just it was, it was luck. A lot of it was luck, which I always think Malcolm or Gladwell. Destiny. Or destiny. Um, yeah, destiny is really interesting. Mm-hmm. But luck is interesting. I, I, was, I think Malcolm Gladwell, who does those books. Yeah, Blink and uh, Tipping Point. And The Outliers, that <clears throat> some people just walk into the right moment at the right time. Well, there's also preparation meeting opportunity, too. That's true. You know. Well put. And... One of the things we always talk about is how most uh, whistleblowers, uh, their lives are destroyed. Completely. <clears throat> destroyed. And how do we uh, make them heroic? Exactly. Uh, you know, how do we make We buy heroic? them capes and we put a big W on them. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I am. So I have this whistleblower show that I've had for years and talk about years and years and years. And so I've, I, I was, somehow I got hooked up with the man who published his Mother Jones 20 years ago, who hooked me up with a guy named Lewis Clark, who runs a government accountability project in Washington, which is a whistleblower law firm which defends governmental whistleblowers. And um, he's somewhat involved with what went on in um, with the last impeachment experience. So will he defend these two people who just got fired for speaking the truth? Uh, I don't know who is who is he, he's, he's very sort of quiet about who his clientele. Is. Right, of he course. did not defend that particular whistleblower, but he does consult with um, with the uh, the government. He's his company. I mean, his his firm is argued in front of the Supreme Court several times. And here's the great piece. Okay, um, not that this is a political show, but his um, firm went over Tom Devine, who's one of the other partners, went to the Ukraine, and was very instrumental in constructing their whistleblower policy for wow. the government. And they have like the best whistleblower uh, rights and policy and laws. In the Ukraine. I- yes, in the Ukraine. Wow. Okay, so they're over there trying to clean things up and we're over here. Shoving it under the carpet. Exactly. <laughs> so I find that a very interesting thing. I find that, you know, someone, something, we we are actually in the midst of finally after, so I met him, I met 
um, Lewis Clark, and he uh, told me about all these cases, and he told me about a particular case, which I have been trying to get aired in a dramatic way for a long time, and we we, we actually had sold it to CBS. Danny Strong wrote our pilot, and Danny Strong is he did recount. He's he's a very successful guy, and. Um, they didn't do it. They instead did a John Belushi, I'm sorry, Jim Belushi uh, law show about two kind of crazy drunken lawyers in Vegas um, instead of our show. But uh, there's no sour grapes here. Um, but um, And then we sold it again. And we actually, we had sold to ABC. So finally, I sort of let it go to sleep. And then I decided one day after all these things with whistleblowers that we need to rebrand them. Okay. There's not a nice word for whistleblower. Mm. There's snitch. That's mm. not quite nice, you mm. know. So um, tattletale. Mm. So we are, we've come up with sort of an expression for them that I can't tell you right now. But if okay. your viewers have any ideas. Okay. Um, but, uh, and we, we uh, sold it to a really good platform, which I can't say because we haven't closed our deal yet. We're at the last moments and the last pennies. Um, but it will tell, in four episodes, tell the story of someone who discovered a malfeasance and protected hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people from this thing going, going on and really mm. saved almost millions of lives that no one really knows about. And their lives are destroyed. And, oh yes, let's get to the dark side. And so what happened was, but he's a cute guy, this guy. He um, blew the whistle and he... Because I've spoken to him a few times, and he, as most whistleblowers, they, if they were to do it again, would would do it again. Even though they get fired, they get uh, harassed at work, they get marginalized, and they. The, I, it's interesting because the harder the bad guys push, mm. the more resilient they are. Mm. Now, often they lose their families, they mm. get divorced, they lose their friends, but they feel this need to help people they've never met. Mm. And I, I also, I almost think it's a genetic quality hmm. that they sort of have a gene that says, I'm going to pursue this because it's true. And you're telling me it's not true, but it is. And I can't stop myself. <laughs> it's like an addiction. Yeah. I mean, I think about that a lot of times because I, you know, I grew up with a <clears throat> mentally ill mother. And so I always had my sense of reality being challenged and it was always wow. difficult for me to maintain what reality was. And so that has definitely made a, a, a stretch of energy in me where as soon as someone is challenging my version of reality, I'm done with them. Like I can't, we can't go forward. Really? <laughs> You're gaslighting me. We're done. Well, are they wrong? Uh, I guess... Are they wrong? No, I mean, uh, maybe your version, I'm just... Maybe my version of... Well, in but, that but moment. the only thing I can live with is my version of reality. So it would be like, you're wearing navy blue to me. Right. Uh, maybe someone else sees that as green. Right. Yeah, and some people yeah. will see this as Yeah, green. well, we not, that's not going to work out. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can't have a conversation because every time I'm talking about navy blue, you're talking about green. How are we going to make something together? And right. I think that it's really about... Moving forward in a relationship, you got to agree on some definitions and some concepts. Right. <clears throat> That's true. You need the same language. Yeah, that, I mean, and, and so it isn't even whether we're in a, quote, truth or a reality. It's that we got to be in the same world right. together. We got to be making the same thing. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, they say that, you know, we all see things differently. Yeah, there's that whole exercise they do with the Dahomey people and they show you the various colors and how they have different names for colors than we do. And because our names are different, when we call something a name that doesn't exist for them, they actually can't see that color. Really? Yeah, you can do this online. It's quite fascinating. But there are other colors that they can see and distinguish between that would look like the same color to us. But it's 20 different colors to them. Right. Well, it's like snow. And the Eskimos. I heard that when the boats, the ships came to America and that shape on the horizon, the locals didn't understand, their mind couldn't process right. what that was. So they didn't see it, but they saw the disturbance right. in the water. All right. So, you know, yes. And it's, you know, humans are interesting because we've only been here a short while. And I know this has nothing to do with art, but um, it, it does. does in a way. It, um, but we've got so much, we're so brilliant and so sort of scary at the same time. I don't just don't know if we're built to succeed. I just, I don't know. I think we can succeed. Succeed, but define a success. Uh, well, I, I, as far as what we're talking about, you know, um, species, whether we will succeed as a species. Oh, we're a species that's, we're going to have to mutate into something else. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that. I don't worry about the earth. Like, we are not going to destroy the earth. The earth will get rid of us like it got rid of the dinosaurs before it lets us destroy it. I I agree with you. I I think it, yeah, I completely agree with you. I just, but, and I think we have an opportunity in the, in the, in show business to enlighten people and we entertain them. We enlighten them. We give them different options. We challenge their worlds that could be. Yeah. So exactly. You know, so I love science fiction. So. Um, yeah, I think we give them real, and, and on the television right now is so creative. It's the most exciting limitous. place for storytelling right yeah. now. It's really, you know, so I'm trying to get into that part, uh, through my podcast that we haven't spoken about yet. But, um, you know, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for any artist out there or anyone who has, anybody who's even a politician or a high school student or someone who wants to move forward, especially with women really taking, I think the great thing about, the great thing about Donald Trump is he's inspired so many people to uh, tell the truth and go up against him in a way and say, you know what, we've had enough of this. We're going to actually do something. More women have been elected, you know, all those statistics that are coming out now. Yeah. But we have to remember also that he follows the Hitler, uh, Goebbels belief that 
a lie told once is just a lie, but a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth. And I think he is a master of um, P public relations and marketing. Right. And they say, which are the fish that get eaten? The one that bite. And we as progressives are biting all the time. I think he's uh, really aware that every time he tweets something that's a falsehood, we're going to jump on it. If he tweets something that's a mistake, he tweets the wrong country, he tweets the wrong team, right. it's publicity. And right. there is no such thing as negative publicity. And I read that he is the most famous person since the history of being famous has happened. He has more publicity than anyone. Right. And wow, what won't happen, but to me, the thing that is most necessary, if we actually were invested in um, removing that energy from our world, would be if everybody just stopped paying any attention. Yes. Stopped giving it any attention. Stopped saying the name. Stopped, you know, to, to withdraw all energy for it. That is really how you change things. I completely, when, the, during the, um, the uh, election of 2016, yeah. when they would put him in the middle, when they had the 12 Republicans and I thought, and they would put him in the middle. I thought, why are you putting him in the middle? Just stick him on the end. <laughs> Just stick him on the end and nobody will pay any attention. But they, and then everybody, every time I would turn CNN, and I know they don't have that many stories during the day, but, and they keep repeating them, um, those few that they have, it was always Donald Trump. I thought, you people are going to get this man elected. Just marginalize him. He's yeah. an, but I also think hubris is a wonderful thing. Because when you have, when you really keep going on and on as a dictator or anyone in power um, and, and your small successes encourage you to take more power, I do really think eventually hubris will take you down. I don't know that I can side with you. You know, dictatorships are the most stable form of government in the world. They tend to die in bed. <laughs> are they alone? <laughs> and and we are in a dictatorship, whether we want to believe it or not. Right. You know, and it's a great dictator to get a lot of stuff done. I mean, look at all the stuff that we look at historically. We love to go to see the pyramids or the Great Wall of China. Nice people didn't build those things. Right. That's true. They really, you know. Killed a lot of people. That's right. In yeah. service of those monuments. And, and you go to, you know, these famous houses and these, you know, museums and all that stuff. And I love museums. And I love the fact that we, I don't love the fact we pillage stuff, but you can't get that stuff unless you steal it from somebody else. <laughs> That's a reality. No. I mean, I, I remember once I went to Turkey and I was in a, a very famous museum and some of the uh, art was just like propped against a wall. Really? And there were like ladders in front of it. And it was like, as, as you know, sacrilegious as it is, I was like, thank God the British pilgrim pil pillaged That's this right. stuff. Because other than that, we wouldn't have it saved for That's anybody right. to ever know that this amazing stuff existed. That's right. We've been, you know, safeguarding it for a couple of hundred years. But there's also an argument that says, if y'all hadn't come in here and terrorized our nation, we might have safeguarded it ourselves. Like, was it destroyed by your coming in? And did we have a method for safeguarding it? I mean, that's a question when you have the Taliban going into museums right. and oh tearing God, down monuments and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so there's, I always say the truth is polarizing, that the truth can actually hold both sides of anything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We understood that, and maybe you didn't. <clears throat> so, what, I mean, I think there's going to be more whistleblowers in this coming uh, time, and that means more martyrs. What are we going to do 
to protect whistleblowers. I mean, the current president, I don't say the name ever. I just, it's 45. Oh, goody. I don't ever say the name. I'm so sorry I mentioned him. Uh, Bleep the, that, would you? Uh, yeah, we could delete the name. Um, that um, it's clear now that, um, you know, you say something against them, you are going to be punished. And the news lately, there's all these uh, politicians saying they fear for Mitt Romney's personal safety. And that, that is, that's been happening every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I've had this theory that he may stay in office far beyond the 2020 election because there's so many people who know that when he leaves, he's going to throw them under the bus, that everybody's just trying to be the last person thrown under the bus. Well, I think one thing we can remember is that Nixon was impeached, left in his second term. He actually was reelected, and then he was removed. But why did he leave? Because he had lied about um, about knowing what was going down with Watergate and how they were manipulating uh, the election. This guy lies every day. Someone said that like two years ago he had already told six thousand lies, right. <laughs> and that was just that week, right? <laughs> I don't think that lying even has any meaning. Oh anymore. no! Well, also you have a different Republican. Look, I'm not a pundit, so I don't want to get into the depths too much. But you also have a Republican Party because the Republican Party during Nixon's times went to him and said, you know, Dick, you need to go. So he then left. But they, I don't, I'm, I'm wondering, maybe it's fantasy, um, that maybe once the 2020 election happens and he gets elected, that the Republicans will then go, you know what? This has really gone overboard. Uh, they were, they were, Tanya's shaking I'm like, head, no. I don't believe it. They're like running <laughs> like a cult now. Yeah. I, well, you know, but look what happened to the last cult, Hitler, you know? He did a lot of damage. He did a lot of damage, and it took us to get rid of him. And a lot of, you know, 50 million people were killed in the Second World War. The Russians say that they lost 50 million people. Is that right? Yeah, that's the, if you're in Russia, that's what they say. You know, the history records say 6 million, but they say they lost 50 million people in that war. Wow. Um, I don't, go ahead. There's nobody who can do a world war against us just because of the geographics. Yeah. No, it's just, it's not. And that's not the way we want to solve this particular problem. But, um, you know, whistleblowers, I think it's really hard on them because he does tweet and he does go after them. And I think some people, it emboldens. They really think, you know, this is our last breath. I'm, I've got children. I'd like to be able to breathe. The thing I don't understand about that person up there in Washington, he has grandchildren. Doesn't he want them to breathe? <laughs> Doesn't he want them to drink the water? I, I think there's a hubris that I'm going to have clean water. I have enough money that I will filter my water and I will get my clean air and the rest of you won't. It's sort of like we're, you know, as America, we're saying, hey, China, we've already used your resources. Y'all can't have cars and air conditioning and stuff because we've already used up your ability to do that. I think that people who have great wealth think we'll go to another planet. We'll get ourselves in a spaceship while you all burn up and then we'll come and clean up the wreckage and move back in. Well, Bill Maher said something funny, which was, why are we going to Mars to see whether we can inhabit it <laughs> and make it inhabitable? Because we already have one of those planets. But we've pretty much strip-mined it. But I think, you know, some creatures live in their own refuse. And I think we're one of them because we do, we live, you know, the air, I'm a big person. I I don't like it when people idle in their cars and I live in Los Angeles most of the time. And so I sit in, in front of my particular coffee place, which has an outdoor place and people drive up and then they 
idle in their car while their daughter goes in and gets two lattes. And they're, I know they're Democrats. Yeah, it's Santa Monica. (laughs) 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 You know, and and they don't have an electric car yet, but they will because there are so many electric cars in Santa Monica, which is amazing. And um, but they've got their big SUV, and she's tweet, you know, she's on her phone, sitting, and the car is idling and idling and idling. And I'm often I go up to them and knock on the window, and I said, "Can you please stop doing that?" Because and they look at me like they I'm awful, and I know they ca- they c- care about the environment, but and and the thing about about exhaust right now is that it doesn't smell bad. You don't really smell it anymore. What who the so if it smelled really bad, we'd go, or if it were a different color, if it came out black, then we would go, oh, look at that awful stuff that's coming out. But the but the petroleum companies have really done this, really dressed this up really well so that you don't realize how much of that is going into the air. And it's changing the amount of oxygen we have in the air because it's carbon dioxide. So, you know, less trees, more cars, da 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 those eventually it's, things aren't going to and the and the pollution from china is coming here it is yeah no i mean we live on one planet so everything i mean i think about the you know the nuclear explosion in japan we're getting that that's, that's right. going through our oceans the oceans are all connected and so you know and there's so many ways to solve these problems like what tell us some ways to solve it This is Tanya Pinkins, and you were just listening to my conversation with uh, film producer Carla Schamber. That was part one. Come back for part two on You Can't Say That, the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.